Well, it's true, you matter to us. And I know that this world dishes out a lot of challenging things, does it not? And I'm going to tell you today, there's not a vaccine for it. The Lord said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. And we're having it, aren't we? We're having challenge. We're having adversity. And you know what Tozer said, who's one of those classic guys from the past? And he said, a scared world needs a fearless church. I wonder today, have you ever faced a knuckleball? You know, I was reminded recently about baseball. And back in the day, I played a lot of baseball. In another life, it feels like at this point, right? And uh, baseball, as you know, is predicated on precision and predictability. And I was a pretty decent hitter. And even in the younger leagues, occasionally you'd find somebody that could throw a curveball. And once you faced a curveball, you could pretty well predict the pattern. And um, after a little bit of experience, you could hit it. But one time, in a rare, odd, advanced case, this one kid, I kid you not, could actually throw a knuckleball. And the interesting thing about a knuckleball, it's, it's like a wiffle ball. It just bobs around, and you never know which way it's going to go. There's not any kind of rhyme or reason to it. The pitcher doesn't even know where it's going to go. Catcher has no idea, especially the batter. And you know, sometimes in life we get thrown a curveball, but sometimes it's even worse than that. And it's a knuckleball. And I'm not telling you anything you don't already know today, but life is hard. Life sometimes can be very disappointing. The fact is, life doesn't always cooperate with my plans. I don't know about you. But my plans seem to rarely turn out the way I envision it. Agendas collapse, people disappoint, plans go awry. And you know, what is a person to do after you face such kind of challenge and difficulty in life? What's a person to do? Where are they to turn? I find in life that people do one of two things. Some just crawl into bed, throw the cover over their heads, and kind of go into this existence. They stop living life. But we find here a couple of examples among numerous ones out of God's Word today that can really give us some insight on how we as believers can be those fearless believers in a challenging world. I've read to you Job, but I want to share with you also this guy known as Paul. Paul, Apostle Paul in the New Testament, faced all kind of adversity in his life, everything from shipwrecks, to earthquakes, to all kinds of people hurling insults and pelting him with rocks and throwing in the slammer. I'm telling you, this guy was unbelievable and had this amazing resilience, this innate ability, but it was fueled by the Holy Spirit, guided by God as he faced all the challenges, the trials and struggles of life. And listen to these words that we find in 2 Corinthians it says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. 
We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. You know, where do you go to find strength? Where do you go in life to discover that courage that you need to press on and to make it through life? There are all kinds of trials that we face. And I know sometimes people say to me, you know, I'm just too hurt to move on. And too many times people just want to build a wall around their life. Keep the life out. But you know, when you work to keep the pain out like that, you're also keeping out the lessons that God wants you to learn. You're keeping out the compassion that people want to share. You're keeping out other things you need to be aware in life when you are sealing yourself away from the rest of the world. So in this series, we are focused on being brave in Christ. And I want to challenge you to stand up and to step out and to keep going for Jesus, even in the midst of all the challenges and the difficulties of life. And today I want us to think for just a few moments on what to do when you feel like giving up. And this classic passage of scripture out of the Old Testament is one that I have to say I turn to a lot. This guy known as Job. And here's a guy, if you really know his story, it is just unbelievable what he faces in life. He was the wealthiest man, as you know, in the world. Back in that day, the Warren Buffett, if you will, of the times, he was the most prominent, influential figure on the planet. And in a single 24-hour period, he kind of loses it all. Everything about his life suddenly collapses. First place, he lost his entire wealth. All of his flock, his cattle, his sheep, his goats, his barns, his farm, everything up in a puff of smoke. Then we find out all of his children were murdered by terrorists, if you will. On the same day, he had seven sons and three daughters, and they all died. And also in the same period of time, he contracted this terrible disease, this terminal illness. And you think you're having a bad day. Oftentimes when things seem to be going rough in my life, I remember Job. And I think about how this guy managed to get through and face all of the difficulties that he faced. Maybe you're here today and you feel like surrendering in your marriage or one of your relationships. Maybe today you're here and you feel like quitting your job or abandoning your dream. I believe today if we take some of these principles out of Job's life and apply them to our life, that will give us the strength and the stamina. It'll give us that fortitude to continue to press on, to endure in this world and to continue pressing on in great boldness for Jesus. So I want to give you four life hacks, four spiritual life hacks. And these are not cheesy kinds of things, but these are real direct things that we find in the scripture that each of us need to implement in our daily walk of faith. And the first thing that you and I need to do is to tell God. Tell God all about it. You know, I still find in life a lot of people that simply don't go to God. You know, the Bible tells us repeatedly that we need to cast our anxiety upon the Lord for he cares for us. We need to go with God and tell God all of our troubles, express to God our hurt and our pain, tell exactly what's going on in our life and be open with God about it. All of our headaches, all of our, all of our heartache. Maybe you don't realize this, but when you go to the Lord, 
and trust God, even with your negative emotions, that's a form of worship. In the first chapter of Job, we find the scripture that you see up here that I just shared with you. In verse 20, Job stood up, tore his robe in grief, and shaved his head, and then he fell to the ground and he worshipped. I would have probably done the same thing. I mean, he is physically and visibly expressing his anguish to God. He stands up, he tears his robe, and you've got to be pretty mad, you've got to be pretty angry to tear your clothes off. And then to shave his head, that's an act of humility. And he falls to the ground and begins to worship the Lord. And you know, anytime you go through this kind of tremendous disappointment, you're going to experience, as you know, four basic emotions. You're going to have this kind of shock and fear, but you're also going to have grief and anger. And we need to express that to God. You don't suppress it. You don't repress it. You don't even express it. You confess it to the Lord. And you go before God with your heart, your anguish, your problems. And believe you me, God understands, for he built you, he created you. He understands your emotions, and God is bigger than your problems. It's kind of like a two-year-old having a temper tantrum. A parent knows how to handle it, and I assure you today that God knows how to handle it because he created you in his image. And the right response to this unexplained tragedy and all the adversity that we face in life is simply not to grin and bear it. A lot of people today kind of have this attitude, well, just praise the Lord anyway. But you know, that's not really authentic, is it? You know, I have three kids, and sometimes they question my judgment. Can you believe that? <laughs> but I don't think they've ever questioned my love for them. And they've never questioned I've had more birthdays than them. And they've never questioned I've had some more experience than they have. But sometimes they do question my wisdom. And, you know, I'd rather have an honest gut-level conversation with them and have them to come and express their anguish, their sorrow, all that they're feeling than simply to walk off in apathy or to hide it and not share it. We need to tell God today. We need to go before the Lord and share our heart. But I want to tell you something else you need to do is you need to trash the bitterness. Bitterness is something that so many people like latch on to. This anger that turns into this deep resentment to other people. Notice here in the text that when Job lost everything in his life in this 24-hour period. He got a terrible illness at the same time, and he said, the Lord gave me everything I had, and they were his to take away. Blessed be your name. The Lord gives, and he takes away. And Job said, I didn't bring anything into this world, not one single thing, and I'm not taking anything out into the next. And whatever I have right now is a gift of God, and I'm blessed, and I'm grateful for all that God has given to me and it's his to take away. You know, grief is really good if you stop and think about it. Grief is a tool that God has given to us to close one chapter on our life and move to the next. But bitterness is bad. And I'm going to tell you today, bitterness or resentment will destroy your life. Resentment only prolongs the pain. It doesn't 
relieve it, but it reinforces what you go through and just makes it worse. But grief is a good thing. And you know, some need to realize today that grief is God's gift to you. Grief is God's tool because there is no growth without change. There's no change without loss. There is no loss without pain and grief. And you're going to have pain in your life for the rest of your life. And I found out that we need to learn to grieve good. We need to learn to be able to grieve good. Jesus knows all about this, of course. The shortest verse in the Bible, as well you know, is John eleven thirty five, and it said, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Grief is a good thing. The Bible says that in life, there's a season for everything. The book of Ecclesiastes well chronicles that. It says, you know, there's a time for war. There's a time for peace. There's a time for happiness. There's a time for sadness. There's a time to celebrate. There's a time to mourn. There are seasons in life. But you can't let a season of grief become a lifestyle of grief because it simply destroys you. It eats you from the inside out. Continues to gnaw on your soul. And one of the things that you have to learn to do in this life is to trash the bitterness. Express it to God. Tell God all about it and let the bitterness go. But a third thing that you need to do today is to trust God, to really trust God. And we need to stop asking why sometimes because in life we're not going to find the answer to everything. The fact is God, I believe, always answers our prayers I just think sometimes they're answered in a way that are not clear to us. I have found numerous times in my life things that I prayed for that somehow God answered my prayer. And in the moment, I didn't realize it. But later in life, I found a door open somewhere in life that I had no idea and my prayer was really answered. The thing that amazes me about Job here is for some 37 chapters, if you read the whole book of Job this afternoon, you'll find that Job is constantly asking, why God? Why is this happening to me? Why have these kinds of things visited my life? Why has this atrocity, why have these hardships come to me? I'm a good guy. Why haven't you answered my prayer? Why haven't you responded, God? And then all of a sudden, in chapter 38, God says, now hang on. And all of a sudden, in, in the book, God's the one that starts asking the questions. And he says, I'd like to ask you a few questions myself, Job. And for the next two chapters, in Job 38 and 39, God is just barraging just Job with all these kinds of questions. Like, he says things like, where were you when I made the universe? Do you realize why the sun is as hot as it is? Can you explain the law of gravity? And on and on and on, God is just pelting these questions to Job. And Job suddenly realizes, well, who am I? Who am I to be questioning God? I'm just a man. My vision here is limited. I've got blinders on. I don't understand and see everything coming and going. I can't see it all. And if you could understand why God does everything after all, I think he finally concludes, well, I'd be God and I'm not. You know, for us today to understand everything that's going on in this world is kind of like a gnat trying to figure out the, the internet. 
As long as they try, they're not going to figure it out, no matter how hard they try to understand. You see, we don't have the capacity. We don't have the understanding. We don't have the full scope and ability to really grasp what God has created. But what we can do is to trust God. But a fourth thing I want to do is to challenge you with this important word here that we find in this book, and that is to take courage. And that's really what this series is all about that we want to challenge you with today because we know that these are difficult times. These are a challenging world circumstances that we find ourselves in today. You know, there's another guy in the Bible that had some loss, and I was thinking about that a couple of weeks ago. And in 2 Samuel, there's a guy known as David. King David, how can we forget him? But you know, he and his wife had a baby. And the baby contracted this terrible disease and started to die. And David was just completely distraught. He wouldn't eat, he wouldn't sleep. He got down on the bed behind him and prayed day and night. He wouldn't take a bath, he wouldn't shave, not a shower. Wouldn't do any business. He just prayed, God, save the baby. God, I love this baby. I love my son. Please let him live, God. I don't know the plan, the purpose. I don't know the future, but my desire is for this baby to live. Please, God, let this baby live. And when David's advisors came to him to tell him that the baby had died, they were really concerned because this guy was so distraught. He was in such despair when the baby was living. Now that the baby has died, what's David going to do? He's going to go off the deep end. But they go to David and they explain to him that the baby has died. And you know what David did? The Bible says that he went home, he took a shower and a shave, he put on clean clothes, he ate for the first time in days, and he went back to work. And they were completely dumbfounded. They were amazed. They said, we don't get it. You were so distraught. Your world had disintegrated. All of your energy, everything that was about you was saying, you know, this baby needs to live, and now you're going on with life. And he said there, my child will never return to me, but one day I will return to my child in heaven. He will not come back in this life but I will go to him one day. And the chapter kind of closed on this, and I did the best I could. I was as faithful as I could be. And you know what? Job resonates the same thing here in Job 11. For he says, put your heart right. Reach out to God. Put away evil and wrong from your home. And then face the world again firm and courageous. I'm going to invite you today to face this world firm and courageous, to tell God what's going on, all of your concerns, all of your life, all of your anxieties, to lay them at the feet of Jesus today. And not only that, but to lay down and trash the bitterness and to trust God and to take courage. You know, too often we try to use God to change our circumstances when God is using the circumstances in our life to change us. And I hope today as we face the battles of the week, the challenges of the day, that we will submit our life to God, ask for the Spirit of God to lead and guide us 
that we might fully trust in the Lord and take great courage, that we might let go of the bitterness and share with God our heart. Shall we pray together? Oh, holy God, we just fall before you today. With all of our pain, with all of our anguish, with all of our questions, we seek your face today. We grasp your hand and pray for your spirit to fill our hearts. Give us boldness today. Give us bravery and strength to face the challenges and the difficulties of life. May your spirit move in this place today. And may it provide comfort and healing but that kind of spiritual stamina, that kind of endurance and fortitude that we need for this journey in this, in this life and in this day. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.